0: Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Tech Your Business podcast. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about cybersecurity and talking about cybersecurity, we'll be taking it from a very interesting angle. You'll you'll learn about that when we start. Today, we have a guest on the show and our guest today is Richard Hollis. Richard Hollis is a founder of um, Risk Crew is a cybersecurity expert. Risk Crew is based in London, and they've been handling cybersecurity for over 20 years. So definitely, you'd have a lot of um, experience you'd be able to pick from this episode. So welcome to the show, Richard.
1: Thank you, Peter. Happy to be here. Excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so tell us a bit about yourself and um, what you do.
1: Sure. I'm uh, I'm a director of a company, as you said, called Risk Crew, and thanks for that introduction. Uh, risk Crew is a cybersecurity consultancy uh, uh, and a risk management consultancy. So that means, you know, you have information assets in your business you're trying to protect, and you would do things like risk assessments, set up cybersecurity policies, procedures, uh, you know, all the way through to business continuity, disaster recovery, penetration testing. So all the things that you do to protect uh, important uh, and, and sensitive uh, business information assets. So we We've got services for each one. We've been doing it for over 20 years. We're not aligned to any product or any specific solution. Uh, for us, it's all we embrace things like open source and, and its process. We believe in process over product, as it were. That uh, process trumps uh, trumps product. It's not the firewall that protects your business. It's the it's the the upkeep of that firewall. It's the configuration, the patching, the management. Uh, you know the the rule set. It's the it's the process. It's the day in, day out. Uh, processes that uh, protect businesses in cybersecurity, not uh, uh, not products anyway. That's our approach, uh, and it's based on a very, very simple common sense, you know, roll up your sleeves and get it done attitude.
0: Hmm. Process over products. So there's something you said that um, caught my interest, and um, I think I'd love you to talk more about it. You said the cybersecurity industry does not work. Why do you say so?
1: Well, yes, I've said that. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Uh, it's not a popular opinion, Peter. And what I mean by that is, mean, is unlike any other industry, in our industry, there are, there are clear signs that our industry doesn't meet the demands that it needs to. All right? Uh, look at the last 20 years. I said we've been in business doing this for 20 years. Every single year in the last 20 years, breaches have increased, and yet businesses spend more and more and more. uh, and it's uh, on cybersecurity. So every year we progressively spend more on cybersecurity and yet every year we have more breaches. Why is that? Why why It should be the inverse. The more we spend the less amount of breaches that we have. The more we spend on protecting our data the, the least amount of security incidents that we should have. But it's not and it never has been and I don't see that that will ever change. So what I mean by the cybersecurity industry doesn't work I mean that if you look around there's clear evidence that we have failed The cybersecurity industry, as an industry, has failed to meet the challenges that it has been presented. And to, well, the breaches are one statistic. Surely the breaches are one statistic. I mean, these are mind-blowing breaches. Yahoo loses 3 million a- accounts. You know, that, that's, that's phenomenal. We are losing over 15 billion personal records every single year for the last five years. Now, when you think about that, oh. Peter, how many people are walking around on the planet? Seven, eight? <laughs> so, And we're losing twice the amount of records that there are actually people on the planet that's what the statistics say so is in one in one on respect you could see we've already lost the battle how much more can we possibly lose in terms of breaches and cybercrime, year after year, continues to soar, and we can't make a dent in it. Our industry cannot make a dent in it. So the breaches are evidence of that. The regulation is evidence of that. You know, when the government has to step in and start you know, mandating, here's what you need to do p- to protect data, uh, that's, that, that screams of, the industry can't protect itself. So suddenly there's regulation on, here's what you need to do p- to protect people's uh, data. When the government steps in, it's a sure sign that the industry has failed. It's like when you think of in my lifetime in the 70s when the government had to step in and, and do regulation of the airline industries and, and the autom- automotive industries for safety because they weren't turning out safe cars and they weren't the conducting safe transportation in terms of international flights and things. So, so it's, it's a very much, you know, to me, those two signs alone, the amount of breaches that you eat and, the, and the, the fact that government steps in is, is clear indications that we are failing at our job. So why is this? And I think the answer is right in front of us, Peter. And this is what bugs me. I've been, I've been doing this a long time. And um, yes, I'm a product agnostic guy, and there's a reason for that. That I look at cybersecurity as a as a product agnostic problem. Uh, pro- products are absolutely products and services are absolutely part of the solution, but we as consumers tend to tend to expect uh, once we buy something that that's all we need. We've bought the firewall or antivirus and so we don't need to worry about viruses or or unauthorized access through our firewall because we bought that firewall. And and so there's a reliance on products and services in our in our business, and that's okay, that's fine. But the but as you really look at them, the products and the services, they're not working. They're not working. So, you know, one of the first statements I would easily make and and ask anybody to argue with me is cybersecurity products, they don't work. And by that I mean, they're not fit for purpose. They're not up for the landscape that we've, uh, we meet today on the cyber threat landscape from, the, from our threat actors. They just don't work. Um, and, 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 and in fact, there's no accountability for that from our vendors. And I, what I mean by that is, you buy a firewall, because you want to stop unauthorized access or you want to start certain traffic through a port. You buy a firewall, you implement a firewall, you get traffic through that port anyway, and does the firewall vendor say, well, here's your money back. Do we yeah. ask for that money back? No. Yeah, exactly. You get a, you, you buy, who doesn't have anti-malware? I work for a company, we got at least four types of anti-malware running. Okay, we still get viruses. How can you get viruses if, you got, if you're running anti-malware? the best example Peter, is is ransomware ransomware what's what is ransomware it's malware it's an unauthorized application that encrypts data right it's 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 malware and yet businesses are getting uh, ransomware it's putting them out of businesses in many cases and nobody thinks to ask ask wait a minute didn't we buy anti an anti-malware solution or two or three or six and, and, and it's obvious that the anti-malware products don't work, or we wouldn't have things like ransomware. And that kind of True. evidence is sit, sitting right in front of us. And yet, when's the last time anybody, we, we talk about ransomware, everybody's hair is on fire, and yet, when's the last time anybody said, hey, why aren't our vendors a part of this conversation? Ransomware is malware. Our malware products don't work. So you can see how, uh, you know, and it's, that kind of, it's not cynicism either, Peter. It's just, it's just a realistic view as a consumer. Hey, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're, you buy an IDS, an intrusion detection system, and, and what's the point of that? To keep unauthorized people out of your system, right? You have a breach. Do you go back to your vendor and say, your IDS doesn't work? Somebody still broke into my system. This anti-malware doesn't work. This firewall doesn't work. That's what's lacking in our industry is an accountability that gives us poor products. We settle it. Why do we keep buying firewalls that don't work? Why do we keep buying anti-malware that doesn't work? So there's a there's a there's a clear lack of a the products don't work. They're not fit for purpose. And b there's no accountability in terms of you know See. us taking it back.
0: True. All right. So um, why do you think this is? Why do you think? Um, because I know normally you buy something from the shop and it doesn't work. The next day you're requesting for a refund. And like you said, it's really true. These companies going through this ransomware attacks, there's none of them that didn't have an antivirus or anti-malware installed. So why do you think this happens?
1: Okay, a couple of reasons. Um, Well, at the end of the day, it's our fault, right? As consumers, I'll absolutely end in my position there. But going back to, you know, the, the whole cybersecurity industry, cybersecurity product vendors take a lot of time to research and 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 do r d and produce a product all right and once they produce a anti-malware product you know, and they've got the anti-malware signatures in that product and they roll it out you know they need to get a return on that right mm-hmm. they need to have that you know all right so so but it's based on research they did last year or the year before or the year before that but the problem is there's new malware this year and so they're always going to be behind the curve so by the time they come out with r and d for a new product that threat is changed it's evolved you know the only thing about the cybersecurity industry that's true it's it's always changing, changing. threats change vulnerabilities change technology changes but our product vendor when he's invested x number of million, millions of dollars in his new next generation firewall needs to get a return on that so they put it on the market for 2 years when that firewall is already out of date because there's new, mm. there's new threats out there that that firewall doesn't counter. So there's a time lag, right? And it becomes shelfware. It's a shelf life uh, thing uh, where, you know, the time they took to research to bring this new product to market, they need a return on that investment. But that's also something i point out to you, Peter. At the end of the day, I don't think we, we keep in mind, uh, there's, a, there's a, let me say it like this, cybersecurity vendors profit from the insecurity of computing. True. So you see what I mean. It's it's meaning they make money from the vulnerabilities associated with our computers. That's a fact. That's a that's a revenue source. It's kind of like and and I think of it. You you know, so if there was a silver bullet tomorrow, if we could fix this, if one vendor could step forward and just fix it with one thing, would they do that? That's kind of like coming up with a pill for the common cold, right? you make so much money selling cough syrups and you know nighttime cold remedies and you know and, and aspirin why would you actually it's it's like the pharmaceutical industry as a matter of fact who make billions and billions of dollars on selling things that, that address the symptoms and not the cause the cybersecurity industry is exactly the same they make a, make a lot of money off viruses, on uh, antiviruses and, and, and these things that they're. That, and, and if they could, if they could roll out a product tomorrow, it wouldn't be a lot of money in it. So there, there's, a, there's a little oxymoron put, put in there right there that we don't understand. They make money from the insecurity of our computer uh, devices. Now you step back and say, so these products life, only have a short life, and they only live for so much, uh, uh, so much time and they need to recoup that that investment. But the other thing is, i tell you what, uh, one of the things I tell our customers to do, they're about to buy, invest six figures into a new cybersecurity product. I said, great, take that vendor and type them into Google and see if they've been breached. And Hmm. look at the breaches. Look at the top 20 cybersecurity vendors in our industry have all been breached in the last 18 months. And you're thinking, well, don't they use their own products? And without name shaming, I mean seriously, take a look at the top twenty, top anyone, and they have all had, had breaches. They can't even protect their own systems, and yet they're selling solutions to us to protect ours. These guys are not shepherds; they're sheep. They're, they're as lost as we are. They don't know any secret, you know, secret for uh, for securing uh, our systems. They can't even secure their own. They're struggling with the same problems that we are. So there's no leadership, there's no accountability, and there's absolutely a financial requirement that they make money on products that don't work because they've got an investment in some strong R&D and they want us to buy those. But we buy them, they don't work, and we have breaches, so what do we do? We buy more product because that's what we're programmed to do. I mean, come on, internet security for us, for everybody, is a firewall. That's that's what we were sold by marketing departments for the last 20 years, internet security. Don't want a virus? Get anti-malware. Well, geez, I have anti-malware, and I'm still getting viruses, and we don't question that fact. And because we have a lack of accountability, and we don't return the anti-malware or call up our anti-malware vendor when we have ransomware and say, sorry, are you going to re- reimburse me for the impact on my business because I bought your product and it did not work? And I don't, I don't get that, and like you said, you know, when we started this. So, so it's our problem It's as consumers, which is, which is, is just crazy. Um, if you bought, you know, if you bought something that didn't work, you'd take it back. I, it's just, True. I'm an American, that's in my DNA. I've got a brother who will return his, his glass of uh, Coca-Cola because it doesn't have enough ice <laughs> in it. You know, seriously. And, and yet, as a consumer, we, get, we just don't focus our, 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 our power on, the, you know, the potential solution here by just asking for more from our cybersecurity vendors mm. and making them accountable for things that don't work. But we haven't and we haven't since we've started this this cybersecurity game for the last 20-25 years and it's only getting worse hmm.
0: is that, is that all right. cynical
1: enough for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> no the, the truth is does really sound cynical because it's all the truths everything you say is the truth it's the truth and um at the beginning you talked um, you said something about process over products which means um, we should look more at... um, Just go, go... Defines that for
1: us. So, so, and what I mean by that is, anybody making a living in cybersecurity, anybody who's ever taken any training in cybersecurity, it says there's 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 three things that you protect in cybersecurity. You're trying to protect information on systems that process, store, and transmit sensitive information, whether that's your your personal information or your business intellectual property, right? So, there's three ways a hacker can take that from you. All right, the three attack vectors. He can come in through technology Or through a process, or your people. So, if you anybody in cybersecurity has learned that that, there are three attack vectors, you protect people, you protect process, and you uh, protect technology. All right. So, so these are the three attack vectors. So, if I can't get in through your technology, I can get in through your facility or through your people and get access to your your information assets right so you need to look at a holistic view and look at protecting those three attack vectors to to put up a strategy to stop a cybersecurity attack but we don't do that mm. why because we were we were taught that cybersecurity is a product it's not you know and so so and product is attached to technology so we buy things and we hang we bolt them on like firewalls or antivirus or intrusion detection or intrusion prevention systems or or these things that that are technology uh, uh, our, our, to detent. And we neglect, Peter, we neglect the other two attack vectors. We neglect our people, we neglect our process. I have never had a client in 25 years who takes a cybersecurity budget and allots one-third to technology, one-third to people, one-third to pro- process. We don't. Okay, so, and because we invest 100% of our budget in technology, and as I spouted off for 15 minutes, our technology doesn't work. We throw our budget. We, did, we neglect the other two attack vectors, and we still and our breaches continue to soar. So that's what I mean: is we fail to because we fail to implement a strategy to protect all three attack vectors, and we put our faith in products, and we protect our technology, and neglect our people and our and our our uh, process. We continue to have breaches, and so when we have another breach, what do we do? We buy more product, <laughs> and, it, and it's a circle of failure that we're caught in. All right, bad strategy, a reliance, you know, we depend on products, our products don't work, we neglect our people and our process, we have another breach, what we do is go out and buy more products that don't work and we go around once again. And we continue to make absolutely no progress in countering the real cybersecurity challenge out there. We're not dealing, we're not playing on the whole board.
0: Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. So three attack vectors, technology, process and people. So we're already aware of how um, technology, how businesses can be compromised via their technology. But what about their process, especially and their people? How can they get compromised?
1: Well, sure be compromised? I mean you know what if I'm a, if I'm a threat actor a hacker or a threat actor whether I'm a cyber criminal or I'm a script kitty and I'm looking to get into your business and I can't get in through your technology all right and I still am focused and I want to take something from you take an information asset I would look to exploit a vulnerability in your process how do you let people in your in your facility do you have a batching <laughs> program can I walk into your office and sit down and plug into your systems and just log on um, so it's that kind of process, the process of access control to the facility where you're hosting these sensitive assets and things like that. Where, where, how do you do your backups? Are you backing up all your sensitive data and putting that in an area that is accessible to, to somebody? So if I can't get access to the data in real time, I'll get access to the backup data and get the same information asset from you. And of course, people, you know, you look to, you look to exploit vulnerabilities as people through social engineering. Huge. It's big because it works. I can get, if I can get you to give me your password, why would I go to all the technolo- technological, you know, uh, uh, dancing to, to break that password or to, to, to intercept data, uh, you know, through a, uh, a technical hack when I can get people to give me the same information on the phone or uh, through a WhatsApp connection? All right, so I'm looking for vulnerabilities to exploit in people or in the process of the business, the day-to-day process of the business, or if I can't come in through the firewall or through a VPN. That's the way a hacker thinks. That's the way he attacks things. It's a, he's got three vectors, three ways to come into a business to get uh, the access that he's looking to get and remove data. So, you know, and so there should be controls, and not just not just firewalls in our technology, but, you know, we, we, we need to educate our people and make sure our people aren't, you know, ransomware is a people problem, too, because it comes in through phishing and social engineering attacks, and people keep, you know, we're not educating them, and we're, you know, we're just, as stupid as we were 20 years ago we click on anything we we respond to anything we fill out forms you know we give away our passwords and we're not addressing that problem not in any real way and we're 20 years down the road Peter we're 20 years down the road talking (laughs) about the vulnerabilities in people and we're still talking about the same thing because we're not investing in it we're not spending any money we're spending more money on product yeah and yes my position is that product doesn't work and so it's got us caught up in a A circle of failure. Another really good example is that you know in terms of process is that we you know, uh, we, we monitor our technology through things like SOCs, through uh, security operation centers. You know, we're looking for security incident events by monitoring our systems. We have whole teams of you know techies sitting behind monitors looking for you know uh, denial of service attacks and, and 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 whatnot. And this is the cybersecurity managed service industry, which is you know still they're a vendor, they're selling a solution. We'll monitor your systems and identify. potential. Potential breaches but look at the statistics for that industry and you know a typical sock has a 40% false positive uh, when they're monitoring for 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 security incidents a false positive what mm-hmm. is that well there again there's another was it false is it positive what is it it's another oxymoron that our industry trades in. how can we even accept the term false positive wait a minute you have an incident it could be maybe maybe not you got to go check it out is what it means it doesn't say it's positive. It doesn't say it's false. It says it's a false positive, 40% of the time. So out of 10 alerts, out of 10 security incidents that a SOC analyst will identify, four will be mm, eh, not a yes and not a no. And so you've got to get off your butt and go go check it out, and you determine whether it's a it, whether it's a, an alert or just a, a false uh, a false flag. Now, here's my point, Peter. Forty percent of the time, and what that what that does is, so sock analysts fifty they just dismiss fifty percent of the alerts they get because they mm. know almost half of them are, are are no good anyway. So, but here's my point: when you've got a product that doesn't work forty percent of the time, maybe, just maybe, and I'm spitballing here, but but maybe <laughs> it's not ready for the market. You know, <laughs> I, I, and yet we, we buy things that have a 40% false positive, you know, quote unquote uh, 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 ratio. And, and the onus is on, a, on you for that 40% of the time to get out and investigate. And we don't, we don't need that. That's like a smoke detector that's constantly beeping. And you don't know if it's a battery or an accident, but you've got to get up and go check the beep, 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 beep. And you got to, do I have to change the batteries? Is it false? Is it really a fire? We don't need false alarms. We need somebody to put out the fires. Our system, our, our, you know, that, that's that's our issue. And, and but you look at that, and that's 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 everywhere in our industry. That kind of attitude. And yet we buy the product, and we don't turn it back when we realize it's higher than forty percent, or if, or if it's forty percent at all, or if it doesn't identify a breach. If I have, yeah. if I invest in this, and somebody gets in, and they don't aren't identified, do I pick up the phone and say, "I'd like my money back. I bought a burglar alarm from you, and my house was robbed, and there was no alarm." <laughs> Can I have my money back, please? And you don't see that in our industry. And I'm just amazed that you don't see that in our industry. That kind of attitude that this doesn't work or this is not good enough. Four mm. out of five times it's wrong. That's not good enough. I need better. We need better. Mm. All anyway, right. So, so for...
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> one more, you know, one more. It's like we're sold knives to take to gunfights. <laughs> you know the products and the services that we show up, uh, you know, on the cybersecurity landscape, they're just not good enough. They're not, you know, it, they're just not good enough. Our vendors and our service providers sell us knives to take the gunfights in in cybersecurity. That's my point. Sorry to interrupt
0: you. You were saying? That's all right. All right. So for a typical business, what are the minimum essential practices they can implement to cover these three vectors, rather than focusing on just the product and tech?
1: Absolutely. It, it all starts with something that old guys like me call a risk assessment. Understand the risks mm-hmm. that your business face. All right. Understand the attack vectors to your business. Understand how you know the weaknesses in your people, in your process, in your technology. So, when that's done, you understand the layout of that. You understand the landscape of the, where your threats are by doing a simple threat and risk assessments, assessment by looking at your business and understanding what do you have to protect, why do you need to protect it, what's going to happen to you if you fail, and then look for threats to that. And you know we call it a risk appetite. What is your risk appetite? Mm-hmm. First of all, Peter, there's no such thing as cybersecurity it's an oxymoron there is no such thing as a secure computer it's an oxymoron you know so the game is identify the threats minimize them and manage them to an acceptable level that your business can get up and go ne- the next day and the next day and the next day because th- a computer can always be compromised you know from the person who uses it to 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 a zero day vulnerability that no one no one knows all right so it's a game of risk management it's not like you can be ever be secure so, and if you understand the game, the first, understand, the first thing you have to understand is how much, what's my appetite for this game? It's like going to Vegas. Do I take in $100? And if I lose this $100, I walk out. And you have to know what you have to lose and how much, if you lost over that, can impact your business or put you out of business. So that's called a risk appetite, and to do that, and once you understand what that is, you go out and you do a risk assessment, and you identify the vulnerabilities in your three attack vectors, your people, your process, and your technology. Then you write a set of policies across there that that implement security controls in people, in process, in technology, that keep the threats down below your appetite. So if you have a breach in your technology or in your people or in your process, the impact on your business would be you could get up and, and live to fight another day. So that's, that's the game. That's the cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is about risk management. And so you implement po- policies to make sure to change your password policies, you know, uh, get, get uh, you know, for your people and talk to them about and, and do education, awareness training. You do things like security incident and event management, business continuity, disaster recovery plans for process, access control for process. And then you, you, know, you look at your architecture that's hosting these information assets and you, you secure it the best that you can and you keep your thumb you keep your finger on all three pulses and you have to understand you know where the where the threats are that's that's the intelligent way to go and there's frameworks for all of this there's frameworks for best practices for you know people uh, best practices for process best practices for technology but you have to have a holistic view and if you neglect the other two you're always going to have a reach from any targeted threat actor who understands, oh, these guys have spent three, three billion dollars protecting their new technology. I just pick up the phone and call somebody and pretend I'm, you know, doing a, a an update and give them to give give me their password. And it works, it absolutely works. So very very simple. They're all out there. All the policies, the procedures, the standards, everything's out there. You just need to put it together and understand the risk, and that's the hardest part you gotta go out and understand where are the, my vulnerabilities in my business, in my people, in my process, where are the vulnerabilities in my technology? And not rely so much on technology and just think I'm gonna buy a firewall and that's it, done, check the box, you know, what's next on the in, for, in this meeting.
0: Interesting, okay, so you have a people online, the circle of failure, where you talked about the lack of ISP involvement in um, cybersecurity.
1: Oh, you're really getting me started, Peter. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, in terms of this, this circle of failure, so Internet service providers, okay, why aren't they a part of this conversation in, in our industry? That's my point. All right, we have a cybersecurity industry that is struggling, struggling to secure their business systems and their personal devices from breaches, right? And yet the Internet service providers who deliver this Internet to our devices you know, look at it this way. It's the internet service provider who's, who's, who's delivering that traffic for a denial of service over their, over their pipeline to your front door, to your business. They're sending you the ransomware. They're sending you the malware. You know, these guys, they're, they're like a water or a gas utility, right? It's the internet. We all need it. We all depend on it. And my point is, Peter, that that I think they've dodged a huge bullet of responsibility here by not being part of this conversation. Can you imagine? They see the IP addresses that hackers use. Can you imagine if they blocked those? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if they did just a little house cleaning and kept malware off of Internet traffic, and they see it because they provide the bandwidth? Why? Because they're selling you the bandwidth. They sell me the bandwidth we connect our devices to their bandwidth we pay them by the ba- you know how much bandwidth per month and so the more bandwidth we use the more money they make and so True. the malware that travels over their bandwidth to your device is making them money that's, that's how I see it, you know. And, and, and again, there's no accountability if someone hacks into your computer over their internet connection. Are they responsible? Absolutely not. If you get ransomware from an, an internet service provider's connection, are they responsible? Absolutely not. But their view of the internet—I mean, these guys are like the, the doorman to a to a to a bar, right? To a to a nightclub, and they're the ones who sit and they can. Can you imagine if they kept the bad guys out of the nightclub? that you and I use. Can you imagine if they mandated, you connect to the internet, you need this, this, and this. If they just did a little house cleaning, how how much of the cybersecurity problem would just disappear overnight? And yet, in the last 30, 40 years, we have never brought up, we've, we've never mandated that they do anything to to help secure the internet from its users. And, and that to me is a is just a, you know, a lack of accountability, again. You know, if yeah. if, if, you're, if your gas provider, your water, you know, or electric provider, you know, sent a charge down and that blew out your systems, you pick up the phone and call and complain, you know, and, and say, wait a minute, this is supposed to be, this electricity should be regulated. I should be getting it every day, even even you've caused an impact. You've caused damage to my property. You absolutely yeah. would. And yet an internet service provider delivers your business ransomware. And, and 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 bang, you know, there's absolutely no there's no repercussions for all the crap, excuse my language, that they deliver to us, and I don't I don't get that, I don't get that. They're they're, it's like they're delivering the bombs to our doorstep, and they they. Oh, sorry, I'm just a delivery person.
0: <laughs> True. All right. So um, going back to the products, because at the end of the day, a lot of people would want to buy these products because they seem like an easy way out so looking at the products that have come out over the past few years and that are still coming out how do you think they can be better or fit for purpose
1: well it's just accountability for for me you, you know i think that this 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 starts with accountability does the product work that should be in your service provider when you buy the product. You get you've got a pro- product. You buy the product. You get a, a service level agreement and SLA with the product. And in that in that SLA should be accountability in the event that the product doesn't meet the specifications that it's that it describes to you. So mm-hmm. I'm saying you know if the firewall uh, is configured correctly and it still allows traffic through a port which should prohibit it, you should get your you should there should be accountability for that in a contract in your service level agreement with the firewall service provider. My malware example, same thing. Sorry, you know, we buy malware, we click on the terms and conditions. But in those terms and conditions, it should say, in the event that this malware doesn't work and allow this malware to come through and infest your systems, we will be liable for X percentage of the damage. It starts there. It's just a basic consumer accountability uh, uh, that it should start there. Um, But it's our fault because we don't ask for it. If you don't, you know, and we're signing terms and conditions and, 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 and accepting service level agreements that do not provide for any accountability in the event that the product doesn't meet the, the the claims it states. So, you know, we buy a car and it doesn't give us the miles per gallon that we think, you know, okay, if we're off by a couple here, a couple there. But, you know, frankly, if it, you know, if it's it's got, it's a question of us, you know, believing what we are told. We automatically believe it. Okay. We, we don't demand value for our money. We don't expect more for our money. And we don't hold anybody accountable for anything. And that's got to be through a contract when you buy the product or service from your vendor. It starts there, Peter, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. So, so what's the number one lesson you would want businesses to remember when developing a cybersecurity policy?
1: Ooh, yeah, okay. Here's... <laughs> um, you're really poking me, Peter. <laughs> Here's what I tell you. Here's what I tell you. Businesses have failed. You know, I, I, I've been saying cybersecurity industry has failed. You know, and I'm, I'm I'm clearly saying that's our failure as consumers in the cybersecurity industry. But businesses clearly have failed. Two two or three things j- jump to mind. And there's always people saying, you know, businesses are in, uh, unable or unwilling to invest in the protection uh, of that's required to protect the data. The customer data, your data, my data, the databases that we're in, whether that's Amazon or that's anybusiness.com. All right, so there's two things. First of all, the business itself never calculates the return on investment for cybersecurity. If I buy this firewall, how much will it reduce my threat? And what's the return on that to my business? We don't do that. We're we're terrible. We do not, any other part of the business, any other major expenditure would require a business case, and you'd figure out what is the return on this investment. But for cybersecurity, for some reason, that's just, we just don't do it. We don't calculate the impact on the business for the spend. So we never understand that value. If we spend X, we get Y return in the protection of our data. All right, so that's number one. The number two has got to be, we have a, businesses, when I mean businesses, seem to have a, 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 a disconnect to this idea of data. Uh, data is ones and zeros in a computer, but this is not about, and, and, and when you talk to a, a business about protecting ones and zeros, that's a different conversation. We should be having the conversation about this is not ones and zeros, this is data about people's lives. This is data about you know where they were born, what their health conditions are, what their race or their sexual preferences are. This is people's lives. This is data about people's lives that we have in our system, about someone's mother, about someone's father, about someone's grandparents or children. Okay, this is not ones and zeros. This is we have, and, and we're missing the, the 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 requirement, the due diligence that should be required for a business to understand we have a moral responsibility to protect data about our customers all right about our patients about our students if you're a university whatever the you know this is data about people's lives and i don't think businesses have come to come to grips with that it's it's like fire life safety when we started to talk about hey this is a this is a question about saving lives and we need wheelchair ramps and emergency exits and we got that and businesses adopted that very quickly because people can die in a fire but, but we haven't made the connection, that, 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 that intrinsic connection between ones and zeros. This is not ones and zeros. This is data about somebody's personal life. And they expect us to protect this as a business. I give you my data. Uh, and you might just think it's my purchasing habits or what books I read or where I go for vacation, what flights I take or don't take. Uh, but this is data that's about my life and my wife's life and my children's life. And, uh, and, and businesses have not stepped up and met that moral responsibility to protect it at all costs. One of the first questions I ask uh, uh, the board when I walk in and talk about cybersecurity is, you know, please raise your hand if anybody in this boardroom has their personal data in these systems that you're talking about protecting. Anybody got pictures of the kids or where the kids go to school or what your, your wife or spouse's uh, you know, medical records are? Anybody got that in? Anybody got blood or DNA records in this, uh, in this room? There's no skin in the game, is what I'm saying. And when businesses don't have any skin in the game, and they see it as ones and zeros, they're not liable to spend any money to protect it. Hmm. It should be personal, and and so what what I'm saying is businesses should make this personal because it is, it's personal. And this is where cybersecurity's industry, when you boil down, when it all boils down to, this is about in, uh, protecting data about you and me, you know, about our friends and our family, and uh, that's. That's a big responsibility. And I don't think uh, businesses have understood and accepted that as responsibility.
0: Interesting. So is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Maybe something we've not covered, something we've not talked about, because I know there is so much um, you've shared, so many papers, so many things you've shared online. So is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners that you feel would be really important to them on, on this topic?
1: Well, Peter, I'd leave it pretty much on the same note. Um, if you, you know, if you've been listening to me for however long it's been, uh, you could write me off as a cranky old man. Or, but if you feel there's anything I, 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 that I said that resonates with you, uh, in terms of accountability, liability, personal responsibility in our industry and the lack thereof, um, all I can say is, you know, we've we've gone on like this because people like you and I and, and the listeners haven't stood up and asked for more, and expected more, and demanded more. Uh, that's where the change is going to come. So, you know, my view of the cybersecurity industry, I realize I'm, I'm part of the problem until I'm part of the solution. And we're all part of the problem. And the, the change, if you wish to see it, starts with you as a consumer. The next time you engage with a cybersecurity vendor, question them. Do you, do you use the product? On your systems has have you ever had a breach Have your has your company ever had a breach mr. cybersecurity vendor um, and what if I have a breach what will your accountability to me be as a business get involved you know be the change you wish to see in the industry as they say you know that that's how I I'd, I'd leave it and if you don't think uh, you know these points are valid then okay uh, fine it, you know we're not going to change But until we all get a little upset about it and start demanding more from our industry, it'll never change. We'll keep buying products that don't work and we'll be caught in this circle of failure. uh, um, That's how I feel and that feeling is based on 20 years of seeing a lack of change. Uh, We need that tipping point and that comes with you and I and uh, anybody else who looks at our industry honestly and says, this is not good enough, I want more.
0: Mm, interesting. So this has been a really interesting con- conversation, really insightful conversation. And I'm sure if you want to talk about this topic, we're going to go for days or hours at the end of the day. So for the listeners, if they want to reach you, they want to continue this conversation, they want to learn from you, read your papers or probably work with you. How can they reach you?
1: Oh, thanks, Peter. It's it's Richard Hollis. So you can just, uh, you know, look at uh, the company's name is Risk crew.com riskcrew.com or you you know so you go to the website you find this paper a paper uh, we've done a white paper about you know the problems in the industry and the solutions a list of things like a checklist you can do about it you can find that uh, uh, on our website uh, just type in risk crew and look for circle of failure uh, is the name of the paper uh, I'm on LinkedIn Richard Hollis you can find me on LinkedIn um, but we're we're we're, you know, we're pretty easy to find. If there's anything, if you're interested either about the topic or uh, about anything else in cybersecurity, uh, uh, just reach out. Drop me an email at richard.hollis h o l l i s at riskcrew one word riskcrew.com. Um, dot Maybe we could put the, the address in the notes of the of, of the podcast. But uh, no, no, thanks, Peter. I appreciate the time. I, I, I uh, uh, and it was an interesting talking to you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you.
0: All right, thank you. So all the links will be put on the show notes. So in case you want to reach out to Richard or the Risk crew, you can uh, easily do that. So thank you so much, Richard, for coming on the thank show you. too. And um, for the listeners, thank you for being with us up to this point. I'm sure you've learned a lot. I'm sure you, you, you're now aware that your malware anti-malware will not fully protect you that you need to look at those three attack vectors you mentioned which are the tech the process and the people don't just focus on the tech look at everything so thank you so much for being with us on the take your business podcast today until next week when we come with another topic don't forget to keep checking your business bye for now